Hey, have you been wondering about getting cows or been thinking about getting cows on your homestead? Is there something stopping you from getting cows? We're diving into all of those topics today. What kept us from getting cows? Now that we have cows, what lessons we've learned? And we get a little bit nerdy on some grass and soil science also. And Lacey might tear up a little bit at the end towards uh, talking more about cows and her heritage. But all that is to come. Give us a listen and can't wait to hear more about what you think about cows. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned. Everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey friends, so today we're talking about cows. We just got cows on the homestead, what, about two a week ago? weeks ago? A week. Is it been, it's been more than a week. No. Yeah, okay, so like a week ago. <laughs> and we're just uh, learning a bunch more about them and wanted to share what we've learned so far and some more facts about how to get started with cows. Yeah, so I think the first question I want to answer is what took us so long? That is a good question. Uh, so as soon as we moved out here, I remember telling Drew I wanted Dexter cows. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. You wouldn't. <laughs> I think that though we both were a little intimidated. I mean, generally he's our livestock guy. So if we get cows, he's going to be the man in charge. So if he doesn't agree to generally? it. Generally? <laughs> generally. Okay. 97%. Okay. Anyway, so I said I wanted Dexters. I think I read about them in one of the homesteading magazines and was like, oh, yeah, this is what we need to get. They're littler. Yeah. They're dual purpose. Mm -hmm. And they just seemed like a good fit. I think one of the reasons we didn't get them is because every time I looked for them, it was hard to find them. Yep. And it was like $2,000. Yeah. No, and, that's true. That's why. And we didn't I was get them. like, I could buy a lot of sheep yep. for $2,000. That is exactly what you said. Yeah. Mm hmm. And then, you know, you think about, like, you pay $2,000 for a cow, you get it home, and it dies, and you're like, exactly. oh, man. And I think that the literal sentence, it's a whole different animal, came up. Because then, you know, you shift from, like, dealing with sheep, which, you know, we've gotten used to, to a whole other animal with a whole other set of, right. you know, know-hows. And, I mean, there is an element of it's, like, intimidating. Like, a sheep, if it comes running at me, I can pretty much buck it up and, you know, catch it. Like mm. I could wrestle, wrestle it to the ground, wrestle it to the ground yeah. where like a cow, if it comes running at me, you know, jumping out of the way or dead. Yeah. So it's true. There, that's intimidating to me still. Even Dexter's. Even, even Dexter's. Even Dexter's are giant it's, yeah, animals. Get, get pretty big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so anyway, that's why we haven't had cows until now because they're expensive. So I guess that we can just like jump right into, okay, why did we suddenly decide to invest in cows? Yeah. So, so, I mean, ultimately the reason is because we invested a lot in regenerative agriculture and holistic management training. and Through the Savory Institute. Through the Savory Institute. And as a result of that, like if you are raising your cows in a regenerative way on regenerative land, they actually will give you cows. And you're certified. And you're certified. Yeah. 
So he he meets all those qualifications now. Right. Which honestly, when we started, we didn't know that that was. No, we didn't. This program is actually new. It's I like think, a even bonus. Since yeah. But um, we are really thrilled to have these cows now. And so actually, we have one Dexter, which that isn't a part of the free program, actually. So we didn't get the Dexter right. for free as a part of this program. That was separate. But because he completed this program, he met someone and, and that person helped us connect with this Dexter cow. But the the cow we did get for free is actually a cow or a heifer, I should say, right. is a Swiss lineback. Right. Which she's beautiful. I'd never heard of this breed before. Yeah, I've um, never heard of it either. But the way the program works is there's dairies that use this heritage breed and they have cows that they can't use and so they don't want to just dump them somewhere so they worked it out with the savory institute to yeah. make sure they get into good hands and um, we'll put a link in the show notes to the video that like talks about the program kind of in detail so you can kind of see if it's something you're interested in we can help you get certified regenerative on your land so that you can also qualify mm -hmm. to get these because it's kind of a steady stream of them and the more regenerative farmers out there the better the, the world, world will be. Right. <laughs> and I think small farmers too. I think there's this like argument about, well, we really need to get to these these big farmers doing this at a massive scale. And while that may be true on some level, I think these things are, I love to say this, grassroots. Uh, uh. <laughs> like literally, we need to get small people doing this and that will then trigger the large people to pay attention. And I think that, you know, well, this, the regeneration works on a massive scale. It works on a small scale too. And so that's actually become a lot of our passion is helping people incorporate regenerative technology or ideals or standards into their homestead living. And I think that. Yeah. There's not a lot of people doing that right now. And that was kind of one of the experiments with the guy that gave us the cows is kind of like, okay, let's see how we can make this work on a homestead. Yeah. Level. So, and that uh, there, there, it does take us back to question number one of like, okay, why now? And I think more than ever, we have this audience and we want to help you all do your best and impact the earth as much as we possibly can. And if we can teach a bunch of people to do this on a small scale, then that's a really powerful impact. So that's right. definitely. So to put it in perspective, we have 10 and a half acres total and we're currently grazing probably about four of it. We're working really about four of it. And so don't we have 15 acres? Yeah, we actually have 15 acres. Yeah. But still, <laughs> really thinking yeah, about right. we have 15 anyway. acres, but we're only grazing about four of it. Right. So that's all that we have in grassland currently. And ideally, if we can get our grassland to the proper health and our soil to the proper health, we should be able to have three cows an acre on it and be able to manage them all year long just on grass and be healthy. So that that's our big goal. That That's my big goal. Mm, that's a lot of cows. That is a lot of cows. I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's a lot of work also. So it's not not like you just throw, if you have that kind of land, it's not like you just throw the cows on there and that happens. However, however, I will say that the work for the cows seems to be significantly less so far than the work for goats, sheep, pigs, or any other livestock Chickens. that we've had. Chickens. By far sure. the easiest management which everyone told us everyone yeah. said oh cows are way easier which you know you think because they're bigger they're harder but it's not true well yeah i mean they're super intimidating but like we literally have them on one single poly wire and their personalities so far i just love their personalities mm -hmm. um the one like the bull the dexter he's a little bit standoffish but the other one 
the heifer, she's like she was bottle fed, so yeah. that adds to her. Quality. She loves like neck rubs mm. and will generally come up and say hi and then kind of like move on. But it, it's really, I love, I just like it's one of those animals that I will actually just stand out there in the pasture and just watch them. I think there's something so slow about cows, yeah, that you get into this like meditative trance when you're near them because you start to like match their energy i mean seriously I'm getting i think into some weirdness here maybe yeah. but i think it's true uh i think it's absolutely so like think about being around a small dog <laughs> and it's like the opposite right like a small dog <laughs> versus like a lab like an old lab a old lab yeah yeah um i will say that like so i moved the sheep today and i moved the cows today and the cows were like i kind of had to like talk them into moving and they just kind of like slowly meandered across the fence. We're still working on like communicating with each other about when it's time to move. <laughs> but then I went down to the sheep and they're like standing right at the edge of the fence and they're like about to lose it. I pick up the fence and they go like running at full speed through it, which they do every time. Every time. Life. Hundreds of times they've done this. Yeah. And still every time they act like they are scared to death and not sure what's going to happen on the other side. <laughs> right. And it's just like, it is completely different. <laughs> um, it makes me kind of want to get rid of sheep in some ways. But I do enjoy the meat and the wool, so we'll probably keep some around. <laughs> but, yeah, so... So what, what? why cows? Like, so I think, like, how are they going to enhance our property? How can they enhance anyone's property? We talked about pigs recently on a podcast that we recorded just now, and I, I hope that you're... You've listened to that. So now we'll talk about what the cows offer. Yeah. So that was a missing element on our pasture is that we didn't have a heavy impact on our pasture. So a lot of homesteads, I see this, they'll have, let's let's just say five acres mm -hmm. wide open and they have like 10 goats on it. Yeah. Just and, a whole fenced in area. In, yeah, yeah. On the five acres. It's just yeah. one big thing. And what happens is that the grass just gets overgrazed. So the roots to the grass become very shallow. It seems like the fewer the animals on the bigger the area, that would be more like it's the opposite. It would seem like the opposite would happen. Right. But when we learned that, it was like this aha moment of like, okay, no, no, no. You cinch down the animals. Right. And have more of them. Yeah. So and like our cows, the two cows are in... Right now, the grass has gone dormant, but they will be in like a, a 30 by 20 section at a time each day. And a cow is roughly equal to five sheep. So if you want to kind of put it in perspective of like to know, there's a lot more variables. But <laughs> what we found out as we started learning more about regenerative is like we didn't have enough animals on our land moving across our land. So to see what we want to see, to which see what yeah. we want to see is we want to see grass like that, that Drew mentioned just recently, the oak savanna look of like right. grasses growing under trees, like chest high grass. Ch yeah. High grasses. Like yeah. a, what maybe you would think of like an orchard grass situation, but sure. instead of with just apples and peaches and such, you do it under yeah. oak trees and pines and all of the other variety of native trees that we have. Right. So I always tell people this, but like Lewis and Clark, when they were traveling west, they talked about sitting on the back of a horse and being able to tie grass blades around their waist. I mean, can you imagine? Like, and that's not that long ago. So there's no like, even if you're like of the like evolution kind of end of things, like there's no way our grasslands have evolved that far in that short amount of time. Yeah. So the potential for that is there. It's just the nutrition and the soil 
health is not there. So the we can root health is right. Not there. We can restore that, and you know, I have told you grasslands. this was a grassroots situation. Grass, didn't uh, I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what cows can do. Their sheer weight and their volume of manure. Like I've already seen it out in our pasture. Like they're covering the pasture with manure, which will just bring the soil alive. And once that soil becomes alive, everything gets kicking and everything grows better and healthier. And I will say it's funny because we've watched this transpire in a short amount of time. So we recently, like in the last two years or so, bought this property at the front of our acreage. And there was a small pastured area that had been mowed for years and years and years, generations. Well, at least decades. <laughs> so it's just been mowed, you know, just mowed over and over and over again by the neighbor who lives next door. And, you know, much to his dismay, we stopped mowing it. Right. And we also asked him to stop mowing it, which was eventually a we had to put, battle. <laughs> eventually we had to put a fence up to make him stop mowing. <laughs> yeah. He likes to mow, and that's totally fine. He's got a pastime there. But he also likes the look of mowed. mowed. And so it drove him crazy that we were not mowing down the thistles and the other the broom sedge and the things that he has been trained to think as invasive or uh, or bad, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. in the frame of mind for a lot of people that when you see a thistle, then you need to get rid of it or else you're going to have a million thistles. And that's exactly what he said. Right. He said, if you don't chop down that thistle, you're going to have a field full of thistles. Yeah. And we did not chop down the thistle. And there were, you know, a handful of thistles that post- popped up everywhere right. as, every year. But guess what? We do not have a field full of thistles now. No. In fact, the the land, the grass in that area is so much better. And not just to like look at, but when you go up to it and, you know, Drew shows you how to analyze it the right way and you look for bald spots, you can't find any and you look for diversity and you find in a, in a square foot of the grasses, you see all kinds of like native 20 species. 20 different species, yeah. And it's just, it's this really powerful experience. And when I, and now that I'm aware, when I go to places where people mow constantly, you know, it could be a yard situation and that's, you know, no judgment, but I'll look down and I'll notice that there's none of what we see here. So recently we were at a friend's house and somebody got stung by a yellow jacket and I went to find some plantain and this person who, you know, like normal per- person mows their lawn all the time, I could find um, and this was on a like large, expansive area, four acres maybe that I walked around that they mow, which is really nice for playing games. Yeah. But there was no plantain, which is like shocking to me because our pasture is full of several different kinds of plantain. Right. And all of our property has plantain all over it. Most places in North America are covered with plantain in all, like all shapes and forms all over the place. And it's just a matter of taking a few steps. But I walked all over that property and couldn't find any. And it is because... There was there was like this single species there. I didn't even know what it was that was everywhere, and it sort of was just like the the Probably carpet. like a fescue or something. Mm, yeah. yeah, but anyway, so it's just so fascinating as you start to really explore this, like what diversity exists around us and abundance, and we don't get to see it because we keep chopping it down before it gets there. Right. Yeah. And just like bringing it back to cows, like them bringing in like that manure and that urine on that yeah. soil, like more plant species are going to like this year, this summer, this growing season, we'll see even more. Well, and that's something that we were talking about this. I think about the grass behaves differently when a cow chews it, like because of the enzymes in its saliva. And just thinking about how 
how many things we're missing because we've taken out that diversity, whether it's like how a plant interacts when there's another plant near it or how that plant interacts when we interact with it. Or, you know, the list just goes on and on of how we've like kind of stripped down to these very kind of, I always use the word like sterile conditions, but that's ultimately when you want one thing and you choose one thing and you go with that path. Um, it is sterile, right? It's right. not. Yeah. So it's just, it's really fun to sort of, in, even in the small context of our little homestead comparatively to like these big ranches out west or, yeah. you know, where people have hundreds of acres and thousands of cows, just seeing that that transfer and shift has been really powerful and, and magical and like, I mean, all the things. So yeah, I would love to. So you're becoming a cow lady? Is I that, think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're a cow, cow girl. Cow girl. <laughs> There's a name for that. Right. <laughs> I don't even know about that. I feel like I'm a grass girl. You may, you've turned, oh, yeah. you turned me into a, That's grass, even better. a grass girl. Now you're talking. Cause cows are kind of a moot, a moot. Point. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Sorry for that guys. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so let's talk on one last subject because I think this one like we had friendsgiving and i was talking with some friends that have a large breed of cow and they were talking about how it was not possible to slaughter the cow themselves and then i was talking to somebody else online and he was saying that he had tried slaughtering large breed of cows and was not able to do and it just himself. if you haven't picked up already the cows that we got when we say dual purpose that means meat or milk like you get right. two choices there's yeah. not like sheep it's Meat, milk, or, Gen- or wool. Generally, across the species of any animal, when you go back to the heritage breeds, they're dual purpose. Yeah. Because people couldn't have, or maybe couldn't or didn't want to have just a meat. Well, it's the same as like or, a monoculture situation, right. right? Like you didn't, as a single person, you don't need acres of corn. Right. So you didn't have acres of corn. You had... Like a small patch of corn and a small patch of tomatoes yeah. and a small patch of like, and I mean, so it's the same. Yeah. The thing is, you sacrifice a little bit. Like, I, I feel like chickens is a prime example. Like, you sacrifice on a dual purpose, you get decent eggs. Kind of bad at you, both. Yeah. Like, <laughs> mediocre at both, but you're getting both out of one animal. Right. The same, like, Dexters are not giant compared to like a, a black Angus, but what you do get is a great quality meat that you can process at a home scale. So mm-hmm. I just got back from a workshop where we killed and butchered a Dexter in a day. And we were able to like, after we quartered it, we were able to pick up the quarters. You know, after we skinned it, we were able to pick up the hide, mm-hmm. um, which is important on a homestead scale, I think, because mm-hmm. you're not relying on tractors or heavy machinery um, I think like we used a tractor to pick up the cow to, uh, get it cut in half and then quartered, but I feel like a good pulley system. Though. Yeah, that's you what could, I was going to say. A good pulley could. system would work. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, I think that's a huge, huge element that when you're thinking again, getting back to that context of like, when you're thinking about on the homestead, what are you actually able to utilize? Because a lot of times, even with gardening, and we've talked about this before, people, plant giant gardens, like giant massive gardens that they then have to work, 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 work their tails off when the truth is, is just a few garden beds would have enough abundance for them, for themselves and to preserve for winter. And we have this idea as Americans, maybe, maybe it's just human nature, but bigger is better. And I I really think that if we can scale back, it makes our lives easier on so many fronts. Like we don't need to have a giant cow 
because then what do we do? You know, then you have to deal with that meat, all of that meat at one time. And this is actually the reason that I've really enjoyed having sheep is because you butcher a sheep and you can process that whole thing in less than a, a day. Really, it's a couple hours, right? right? Yeah. But that's another reason why cows have been um, sort of a, on the back burner for me in my mind is because how are we going to process a cow and to have to wait on a butcher, especially in this last year when we realized that that can be really a touch and go situation. You know, in 2020, you had it wait, you had to wait a year to get your cow into the butcher. Uh, I was talking to somebody at the butchery workshop and they said in their area, it was a three year wait right, oh my right now. It's a three year wait. And if you're hungry, three years is too long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So I think that that's a huge element of like when you're thinking about what kind of livestock to add, you need to be able to think about it in terms of, okay, it's you, it's easy enough to get your hands on an animal, but you need to know before you do that. I think it was Joel Salatin we were listening to at the Homestead Homesteaders America conference, and he was talking about how you need to have a plan for, for bringing those animals, like not just getting them off the truck, but getting them into the fence, like, you know, right, yeah. and, and even beyond that, you need a plan beyond getting them into your field, then getting them into your belly or getting them yeah. into the barn or getting them into the, like, what is the, well, the it, end result? It's funny because the guy that taught the butchery class his name's brandon he's the farmstead meatsmith online but he said the most important thing when you're working with livestock is to start with the end in mind mm. so like with this dexter cow like ultimately the end is in your hanging freezer or you know on your plate so like you need to have a plan on how you're going to butcher that animal mm. before you get that animal and i was like man that that's an even like different yeah, way I hadn't thought about. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, about, exactly you know, what I like, meant. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think too, when we look out now, we have these, the Swiss lineback, which is more of a dairy breed, and we have the Dexter. And now we'll be able to mate these two beautifully, thanks to our mentor who is helping us with these cows and and have more of a dual purpose with maybe, you know, this beautiful behavior, which is friendly. And I mean, there's just a lot of things to consider. Like you don't want to buy a wild cow that you can't, then, you know, interact with, right? right? Like yeah. there's a lot of different things to be thinking about, not just the, not just that, that meat, but the, how are you going to interact with the animal on a daily basis? Are they, tra are they trained on a wire? Are they, I was going to say a single poly wire, you know, like, are they regularly? Cause I've looked at a lot online that they say, oh no, they just stay in a fence. Well, that's uh, a huge disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. If you want to manage them like on a more holistic Mm -hmm. ways so. you can train them but you right. have to be prepared for to put in that time yeah so yeah i mean it, it just goes back to that like we've learned the hard way right <laughs> to yeah not just get the free don't, animals don't, off take, list. <laughs> don't take any free animals yeah. and don't and what pay questions to ask when you're buying because yeah. there are so many people out there and then we've learned this too even the the most recent sheep that we bought were not trained on electric, electric so yeah. we had to spend a couple of weeks really getting them familiar yeah and that was a pain. We'll and have to do a podcast on what to look for yeah, in animals. What questions before you buy. to ask? Exactly. But anyway, so what are the questions? I that we feel like to, that's the end. how to know if you're ready. Well, that we kind of got yeah. that accidentally. But yeah, there are a lot of things to look for, and could be a whole other podcast. But I hope you guys are excited about our cows. I'm excited about them. Yeah, I feel like they add a dimension to our. They make so my grandfather was a dairy farmer, and I he had cows when I was very small. I remember them being at at my family farm property. 
And, you know, I think when you're a kid, you get this impression of like whatever you experience as a child. And I, the farm was my most, and still is probably one of the happiest places on earth for me. <laughs> yeah. And I was telling a friend of mine that my great grandpa was a massive rancher yeah. in uh, South Dakota, which I hadn't like really thought about, but I was like, man, I actually do have cow rear and jeans jeans <laughs> you, and, we both do yeah so i think there's something that feels really really like yeah. natural meant to be i don't know yeah and i feel like it kind of completes our homestead right now <laughs> yeah it's uh i don't know how we got to this spot it's kind of funny because for years we've had sheep and chickens and a little bit of here and there but mm. now we have cows chickens pigs sheep that's well, it, this right? year we've just turned yeah, it up, I we've think. We've turned it up a little bit. But yeah, so if you're in the area and you want to meet the cows, we're open on Wednesday mornings for the market. So you're welcome to shoot us a message and we can arrange something there. But um otherwise, thanks for listening and uh, if you need help with this kind of homesteading advice and want a little more detailed I think you can hear that we've had some growth over the years. Right, yeah. That we can help you maybe yeah. make some better choices and, and easier choices and maybe more like holistic choices for your lifestyle and your in your homestead. So take advantage of the services that we offer. We would love to help you. Yeah, you can go to the schoolhouselife.com and check out. We have the academy and we also have a homestead audit. So either one of those is yeah. a great skip, spot to skip start. Skip the school of hard knocks and just jump in on the academy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening and Have a good please one. share the podcast.